You're listening to On Mission with Dr. Matt Davis, a podcast designed to explore the personal mission of everyday leaders. Hear from men and women who are making a difference in their corner of the world and discover what keeps them on mission. Welcome to today's special edition of On Mission. This is what we're going to call the side mission with Jonathan Sheely, myself, Matt Davis, and no guest today. Just the two of us. Yeah. The two and of us on Twitter. So we can have some fun with that and uh, maybe misbehave a little bit, tell some stories. We'll have a good time with that. Kind of a, a snow day. The schools are mostly canceled in town and it sort of made a late decision about it. It was. That. It was a late call. 7.45 this morning, they decided to call school off in the public school district. So the academy was like, nope, you're on the way. Yep. You're coming. You know, we're doing school. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Man up, yeah, yeah. you kids. I saw that text. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're all in school today, but no guest here on campus. So I, I came across a Twitter feed. Well, let's talk day. about what a side mission is first. Oh, okay. Side mission. Yeah, all right. So side missions. And we've talked about this for, obviously, we are just past the one-year mark. Really? Of the show. We're oh, just wow. past it. And we weren't airing them, you know, uh, quite yet. But we have been working on it for such a long time. But we've been talking about all these conversations that don't fit nice and neat into our main format of asking people what their mission is. Right. And so we decided, you, we decided, you decided, and I agreed. That we should have a format in between. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, In between to talk about things that are important, but maybe don't have a person that we can talk to them about. Yes. Okay. So we just stuff we want to talk about. Right. Yeah. Right. And have fun with it a little bit. And so, um, yeah. The first one here then is you'll probably come up with a blooper reel one at some point too. Oh, we have. Well, those are, we'll we'll call that off mission. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And they're all going to be me. Well, not anymore. So the Twitter feed that I found was from a guy named Neil Dingra. I don't know who he is. He is a uh, guy who makes money on the internet, social media. Imagine that. And there are a lot of people making careers on the social media these days. Some good ways, some bad ways. He has more dozens uh, of followers than we do. He has lots of followers, I guess. He's got got a blue check mark, so that means he pays at least $8. (laughs) He only has 9,600 followers, only. to be honest with you. That's, That's why not I said that all many. dozens. Yeah. But he said he makes $4 million a year on social media, mostly on Instagram. Which is more than I make. I don't know what he does to make all that money. But but anyway, he, he's got this this Twitter feed, and uh, I don't agree with all these. No. Some of, but, them are, some of them are on the right trajectory, I think. But he, he says these are the, the eight biggest lies that we're told about money. Right. So I thought, okay, here's somebody's opinion. Let's let's read through them and see, let's what, talk about see what we think. Right. <laughs> right. right. I have a little different take on things than this guy, Neil Dingra. And it's important because money is a conversation that we have a lot around here because people are trying to pay for college. We have a lot of money or we have a lot of no, conversation? No, we, we have a lot of conversation. Oh, okay. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot of conversation about money around here and yep. the values that our, we as Christians have. Well, we have, we have an approach of stewardship right. versus ownership. Right. And I think that's a very important distinction. And this guy, I don't believe, is a, a Christian coming at it from that perspective. So let's talk about how a secular person looks at money and con- contrast that with how we might look at this from a stewardship standpoint. All right. So, so line number one. Yeah. Line number one, save your money to get rich. Okay. So he's saying that's a lie. That's a lie. Don't, don't save your money. Now, it, first you have to deconstruct the statement, right? Like right. saving your money is a lie. Well, do we save money to get rich? No. 
I don't think so. Of course, the Bible says treasure and oil are in the house of the wise. Hmm. Might call that wealth. Might call it wealth. How do you how do you end up with with treasure and oil in your house? Well, number one, you don't spend it. I mean, mm-hmm. we have to look at what does it mean to save. It means you don't spend it, right? You you don't waste it anyway. And so, saving, I I think I'm reading the head yep. and what he's actually saying. Right. I think he means don't hide it under a mattress. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think it, in the same you know section here. He, he's also, he's putting an emphasis on making more money. Yeah. He says, saving it, Do putting it under work. the mattress is a scarcity mindset. Right. He said, get 50 millionaires together and ask them how they got rich. And not one of them will say, by, by saving. saving money. Okay. To get rich, he says, make more money. That is work, business, work hard, industry, side hustles, get a side job. And he said, invest a percentage of it in assets that'll appreciate in value over time. Now- some people might call investing a percentage of your assets saving. saving. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, we put it in a, a mutual fund or an investment. Right. We're investing in an appreciable asset. So I, I think it's a nuanced point. And I mm-hmm. guess I understand his point is that you're never going to just work a 40-hour-a-week job and climb the ladder. And I think he talks about that later. Yeah, we get that later. Yeah. But, you know, and just save, put money away and end up rich or wealthy, right? And now for the believer, is that is, is there some truth to this? Is there some... Some falseness to this. Well, yeah, there's truth to it because think about the parable of the talents. You know, the 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 wealthy owner gives some of his resource to some of his servants and says, you know, I'm I'm heading out. Doesn't give him much instruction. Do something with it. Yeah, which one is rewarded and which one's punished? The one that's punished is the one who buried it. Yeah, the the saver, the saver. <laughs> right? And even his excuses. Well, I knew you were a harsh guy, and I knew that you uh, were were very business-minded with, with your money right. and didn't want to lose it. Careful. And so I I saved it for you. And the other guys invested it and made more with it. And he said, well done. So I think there's some, some biblical principles there. But on the other hand, uh, we are stewards. And so we need to be careful with the kinds of investments that we do. We don't go for quick, rich, get rich, quick schemes and right. those kinds of things, just in the sense of trying to be wealthy. And and let's just be honest, is, is getting wealthy our biggest priority in life? No. It can't be. And I think if you're if you're also making a, a, a contrast between saving and just spending willy-nilly, it's also not just go out and spend however you want so, and, and make more so that you can spend more. It's That's no. not the point either. It's to use use the assets that you have right. and the resources that and you Neil's have. And Neil's definitely not saying that. Just right. go out and spend it. He's saying be careful and, and invest right. it in, in appreciable assets. Right. All right. Line number two. Yeah. Line number two, debt is bad. Hmm. Debt is bad. Well, there's certainly such a thing as bad debt. Well, absolutely. And there's uncontrollable <laughs> what, what debt. Would you, what would you put in the category of bad debt? Bad debt, um, things, well, for sure, if it's crippling, if you can't manage it and you can't use it, uh, or if you're not using it to uh, get ahead, you know, there's a difference between going into debt because you need to fix something. That's not bad debt. That's good debt. But going into debt for something that you don't need Dave Ramsey might disagree with you. So I would I would say it a little more plainly. Bad debt is like credit card debt. Oh, sure. Cre- unsecured, high interest debt is bad debt. Sure. Okay. So when you when you put something on a credit card, you are borrowing money. Most people don't even think of it, don't even realize that. You are borrowing money at an incredibly like 
criminal rate of interest. Right. right? I don't mean that literally. All right. Credit card companies, calm down. <laughs> uh, but you're talking about over 20% probably APR mm-hmm. on that. Plus then people who spend on credit cards tend to miss payments and there are huge fees associated with that, hidden fees. If they make minimum payments, they're rolling it over. It's called revolving credit. And then you've even get to the point where you have tens of thousands of dollars on credit cards and you can't make the minimum payments. And so then you start getting those solicitations in the mail for six months interest free. You start rolling over onto another credit card and another one and and come to find out now your credit is destroyed. And you, you actually can't get into good debt because you've gotten into so much bad debt. Right. And so the better strategy to avoid the credit card being the safety net is to have a savings. So, you know, it kind of goes against lie number one. <laughs> right. Because the savings isn't there to give to make us wealthy. The savings is there as a reserve to prevent us from having to go into bad debt. That's the idea of having you know, three to six months worth of expenses saved away. Right. So that if something happens, yep. you can dip into that instead of a, an you astronomical percentage. you got to have percentage. a good reserve. So really priority number one, when you, when you get out and start working and establishing yourself in a career is get a savings, mm-hmm. get a savings account, put it away in a safe thing, whether it's a mutual fund or a CD, earning, you're going to get like 1% in a good scenario. Right. <laughs> but that's savings. And then forget about it. For Just leave it's it just alone. It's just not there. Yeah. Forget right. about it. Don't use it to buy furniture. Don't use it to get a decent car. That savings. Now you have additional savings for those yeah. things and, right. and buy them when you can afford them, not when you can get into credit card type debt. So not all debt is bad. His good debt is what he called secured debt a debt tied to an asset. It goes up in value. Mm -hmm. That's good debt. Now I would say caveat, if you get a decent interest rate. Sure. And right now that's kind of changing. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are sub 2% on their home loans now. That's not, that's a great debt. It's amazing. But you know, I don't know what the current home loans are going for, but it's in the fives and sixes, I think. Right. And that is a different kind of debt. So you got to be very careful about that. So we could we could spend a lot of time on on that one, but I think there's good debt, but there's also bad debt. Right. And you get into bad debt by making bad decisions. So he he steps up a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Line number three, follow the traditional plan. And he defines the traditional plan as get a degree, get a job, climb the corporate ladder, save money, and then retire. And he says that's dumb. He says that's dumb. Okay. Well, he's missing one thing on the traditional plan. Get married. Get married. And when mm. you look at yeah. the income and wealth divide in our country, married people are much more financially stable, middle class right. achievers, uh, breaking into the middle class from starting lower in that what they call social mobility. Mm-hmm. So I got the U.S. News and World Report uh this week that has the college rankings. And yep. I look through, you know, you look for Maranatha on all the different pages and stuff. And and number one, their methodologies are trash. Okay. <laughs> so no And everyone agrees on that. No the, it's not just Maranatha. Ask the that. Ivy League schools, right. right? Who have completely who have out. opted out of it and said we we're not doing this. And, and I love it. Like Harvard is like the U.S. News and World Report is judging us like we're right. Harvard, okay? Right. <laughs> so I, I like the attitude there. I think we're going to have that same. You're judging us. We're Maranatha. I mean, come on. <laughs> um, let's just say we operate on a different metric. Right. And one, But one of their metrics is called social mobility. Hmm. And Maranatha was number seven, I believe it was, 
on the list of universities providing social mobility as you know here in the midwest region which has about a thousand universities in it and i'm i'm raising my eyebrow about that like what and what they're saying is it's the income levels of the families of students coming in versus their earning potential coming out on the back end social mobility moving from a lower class system to into a middle class system or middle Middle to to upper right yeah and so that social mobility is something that they track economically. And the, one of the number one things is family. Right. Having a stable home. That, that well, but, doesn't necessarily mean two incomes either, by no, the way. No, right. I think the stable home is the thing that is the, no one wants to talk about it, is the part. So Not even in the secular world. Right. So don't. even if it is, if it's one or two incomes, the fact that it's stable makes a, lot, a big difference. Because if you can just flip-flop in and out of jobs and go from one place to the next and you don't have any skin in the game. Yep. But just life itself is complicated and time-consuming. Right. right. And so to have a partner makes a big difference. People say, well, I'm waiting until I can afford to get married. And they're putting marriage off until the late Absolutely. 20s, early 30s. You're, you're Number one, you're wasting the best childbearing years of your life as your family. And so you're going to end up with a much smaller family, if, if at all. Uh, you're also missing out on the stability of those years and the, the earning potential that, that uh, grows during that time. And so I, I think he kind of forgot that in the traditional plan. He says, get a degree, get a job, climb the corporate ladder, save money, retire is dumb. Okay, well, I would say it's, he's right, but for the wrong reason. Absolutely. So the things that I was thinking about with this one is that, first of all, you can get a job while you're getting your degree. You can oh, make yeah, you can make money yeah. while you're in college. I did that, um, and I think I learned better. I say it that way. I, I learned more in college because I was working jobs. There are so many jobs now that you don't have to go and clock in for either. Absolutely, and they're they're flexible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to be geographically located in the same spot. Uh, we have students on our campus that are editing and doing, doing accounting. Yeah. yeah for places that aren't even close to us. But even the gig economy where you can just take your spare time and you don't have to have a set schedule where you say, okay, yeah. I've got a couple hours. My son does DoorDash and yeah. delivers and he'll be like, this is too easy. And, and his phone will chime out and say, hey, we got a lot of orders going right now. Are you available? And he's like, mm, yeah, I am. And he'll disappear for like 20 minutes, come back and say, I made 30 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> delivering yeah. Subway to a guy one block away from the restaurant. If you're okay with with doing anything, you can make a lot of money as a young person. It's crazy. But you have to be yeah. okay with doing it. Well, you got to have support. You got to have a, a vehicle. You got to have internet. You got to right. have the technology. You got to be training. You got to be learning and curious and, and educating yourself on these kinds of things and find something that sparks a, a, a little passion in your, your creativity so that you'll, you'll have an initiative. Right. So the thing yeah. that I agree with him on this, this lie is that you don't have to follow the order here. Um, and then he missed a huge part with uh, the traditional plan of, of marriage. Well, another reason why I think that this is a lie um, that I don't think is his point is that life isn't about that. Life isn't about getting a degree so you can get a job, so you can climb the corporate ladder, so So you you can can get wealthy, so you can retire and do nothing. Yeah. Right. That's not what life is all about. That's not going to bring you fulfillment. That that describes for me a miserable dude. Right. A person who <laughs> gets to the end, has a yeah. lot, has knows no one. And looks back and says, yeah. what was that? Yeah. yeah. What was now that what for? am I supposed to do? Yeah. So it's not, it, it's about productivity. It's about ministry. It's about fulfilling God's calling in your life. 
about submitting your life to serving him and serving others, I'm not getting that vibe no. from this description. No, sometimes we've talked about, um, I know in between shows or whatever, the mm-hmm. what the climb the ladder looks like for a Christian. And the a better phrase would be take more opportunities. Um, opportunities for ministry, opportunities for impact, opportunities for influence. And sometimes yeah. those look like climbing the ladder. But let's be honest. Isn't there a sense that we all have a desire to do more and to find success and to and promotion. And I mean, do you want to be doing the same thing today that you did, did 20 years ago? No. You know, well, well all right. Not I you, was but... in high school. <laughs> I wasn't... Well, then you definitely don't. Yeah, no, I don't want to do that. I was, yeah. Uh-uh. But from a career standpoint, we want to feel like we're going somewhere, right, right? Right. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, that's the point is that sometimes a Christian taking life on the way that God intended looks like someone who just wants to climb the ladder. Well, they're industrious. They're working right. hard. They care. They care. They want to do a good job. And Those they have, things are they have, rewarded. They have pride in their craft. Okay. Yeah. They're they're trying to improve their skills and their... their right. Yeah. So I think there are some similarities in, that you could observe, but maybe the motivations are different. And maybe mm-hmm. we actually get our head up every once in a while off of ourselves and look around at other people and see how we can be a blessing to them. Right. That's a big key. And by the way... That's what you're looking for in an employee too. Absolutely. Right. All right. So do you want to skip number four or do you want to come back to it? All right. Number five, money is your only wealth. That's Mm -hmm. a lie. Financial wealth is only 25% of the equation. There's time wealth, there's physical wealth, and there's social wealth. Hmm. Give each its due value and build a more fulfilling life. Well, I'm with him on this one. Yeah. Although I wouldn't necessarily, his categories are very godless and secular. Yeah. All right, but there's family wealth. There's well, uh, yeah. He does. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You can have a lot of money and a lot of time on your hands and be in perfect health and be pretty miserable. Yeah. Uh, and so, you can pursue social status. Right. His category of social wealth is probably deceiving because he's he's taking that from the wrong spot. I know a lot of people take it. You got to have social wealth in order to have financial wealth. Well, he's and an Instagram star. Do you think maybe yeah. he's talking and defining that right. a little differently? <laughs> right. He's made his money on those connections, but what are those connections really? Well, do you think that there are a lot of young people today that that judge their social standing and their social value based on the number of followers, likes, Yeah, they and judge themselves on those things. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't and, grow up with that, so I don't know what that does to you psychologically. Like if I put a post out there, I, I usually forget to go back and look if anybody liked it. I don't sit there refreshing, waiting to waiting to see my adoring fans. You know, well, click in. It, I, it's <laughs> Good amazing because it doesn't happen. But you it's know. amazing what my posts are like uh, now versus when I first got started. You know, you get the ten year reminders on Facebook every once in oh, a while. Yeah, yeah. And I got eight likes on that, and then I repost it, and I get one hundred and fifty. You know? Right. Yeah. So the whole the <laughs> yeah. whole construction is different, and I look at the. So I had lack of capitalization and punctuation, and I still got, you know, half of my classmates from high school you to interact. You post things with without capitalization? No, 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 I did. I did when oh, I was okay. in high school. And I look back at those. Do and, you, I, this, uh, sorry, another okay. side mission B. All right. B. Do you, do you within. put punctuation and capitalization in your, in your text messages? In my text messages? It 100% depends on who I'm texting. It, with me, I think you probably Absolutely do. Because <laughs> you're an Xer, you value capitalization. And I, you're my boss. I've been told that it comes across as aggressive and hostile to use punctuation. It in can. Or in the it can. It, well, also depends on the content. But I, I also, I, I, evidently I break the norm on this one because I use capitalization and punctuation with my wife. 
Yeah. So Most course. people don't. Because you're not a sociopath. Well, no, because she's an English teacher. Oh, oh well, that too. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I don't get, have an option. I, I got a text message one time from a student at about five minutes to midnight, which is what we call Maranatha midnight, 1155, because the LMS. Right, where yeah. everything goes dark. Right. <laughs> Everything's due at 1155. <laughs> and so um, I got a text message like 1154, and it said, hey, man. And, oh, uh, the, uh, bad lead off. Yeah. I accidentally submitted my, my quiz. Could you reopen it for me or whatever? And I, I happened you to- You were still awake at 1155? Well, I happened to get the message and I'm like, <laughs> hey man, hey what, man, what in the world is this? Yeah. You know? And, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't have a good response to that. I Maybe imagine. I should have been more in the spirit and been understanding about myself. I'm sure you've but, learned from this situation. Yeah. <laughs> but- don't don't be texting people, hey man, you know, unless you're actually just buddies. All right. So um number five, money is your only wealth. Financial wealth is important. You need money. It's a way society works. But there is time wealth. What what is time wealth? Freedom, okay. he says. He I think it. it's I think what he's talking about is the freedom to do the important things. If you're stuck in, yeah. if you're stuck in the wrong okay. rhythm of life, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to work on the priorities. Whether right. that is your family, whether that's for us, it's it's church life, it's our relationships outside of church and outside of work. There is a time margin yeah. for people who have some money. That's the word I was thinking about: margin. That you actually have something to offer because you have your life is in order. Right. You ever know somebody who's like a complete mess, right? Like they just literally. I look in the mirror at something. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're all kind of that way. But I mean, just constantly, they're a ball of commotion. Yeah, sure. And emotions. And yeah. just like, whoa, like that kid on the Peanuts comic strip that just had pig penny. A pig just pen, constant. Yeah. But their life is a cloud like that, that goes emotionally with it. and just yeah. constantly in a tizzy. Uh, you think that person notices when other people have needs? <laughs> You know, is that person real empathetic right. and have a lot to offer anybody else? I mean, people are on eggshells around around a guy like Because it sets them off is yeah. what it is, is that their their life is on such a delicate balance of being it, not just in a chaos perspective, but in a crisis perspective. Right. And uh, you want to be trending towards order. But if you haven't, you know what it takes to get your life organized like that? It takes like self-discipline. Well, and it takes a few years of grinding out. Well, you got to, yeah, you got to yeah. put the things in place. But even if you don't have any money, you can have time to offer Absolutely. other people. Absolutely. And physical wealth, your health. I mean, this is an area that, you know, my generation perhaps doesn't do so great with. Uh, I think I think uh, starting with millennials and, and currently Gen Z are doing a lot better at taking care of their physical health. But th- that also tends with with social media to get out of balance, right? Well, and, and it's I think, all about my looks and yeah, my bodily physique. Exactly, because if it's if you're talking about your physical well being being your capacity to perform your responsibilities, that's one thing. But if you're talking about your physical well being being the way that I want to be to be perceived by others because of my figure or, or because yeah. of my face or whatever it is, that's not looking at your physical well-being. That's what, actually pride. What if God sees fit to take that away from you? Right. Then where's your identity going to be? Yeah. Your identity is found in the wrong spot. You say, well, I'm not wealthy anymore because I'm disabled mm-hmm. in some way or yeah. I'm going through this health challenge. I mean, that happens. And and I think 
the one that's missing here is spiritual wealth. Absolutely. And that's when you need spiritual wealth is when you're missing one of the others. or time or yeah. money. So interesting. All yeah. right. Well, okay. Number six. Yes. Diversifying gets you rich. Hmm. Diversifying gets you rich. So I think his well, point- Define diversifying. Yeah. His, his idea behind diversifying is having your money in multiple places yeah. in, and in multiple formats too. So you have assets. We talked about debt. If you have a form of debt that gives you something on the back end, like a house, mm -hmm. okay, there's some equity there. That's not just, I don't have all that money that would be that equity. It's not sitting in a bank somewhere, but it it is offsetting the the costs on the, on the other end. Yeah. Um, so the, it, I think this is a lie. I think he's right, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I I agree with it the way he's saying it. So he's saying diversify gets you you rich, and then he says diversifying is a way to preserve wealth, right? And that's as opposed correct. to I getting mean, it. I don't think anybody ever thought it. That's why I think it's a lie. Like sure. I've never heard anyone say that. <laughs> Well, Diversifying is a risk well, management strategy. I think he, he could be attacking the people who are on the get rich quick things where you, okay, if you, if you have a little bit of money and you see an opportunity, but you're not maximizing your current produ uh, production, your current wealth, mm -hmm. you shouldn't be jumping into a different channel. Yeah. Right. So it, with these, um, you know, think about Bitcoin and other um, oh, concepts yeah. where- Let's check on my Bitcoin and yeah. shall we? Well, and, and think about the, the people who jumped in on the early side of that, who maybe didn't have the margin of wealth to get in on something that was brand new like that. Ooh, I that, see the trajectory there. That's just there. today. Don't, oh, okay. Calm down. <laughs> this, is, this is what it looks like overall. Well, that's not much better, man. <laughs> so I put- some discretionary money. Okay. Right, so there, see? My, my motorcycle fund money. Okay. Your let's just put oh. it that way. Do you have a motorcycle fund? N no, but I should. That would be a great side That's mission. how you buy golf clubs and guns. And Is having a motorcycle fund? Well, that's what you call it. And oh. then that's also how you get like a anniversary ring for you. All right. I'm going to tell. Women, okay. Yeah. All the women... <laughs> Tune out right now. Okay, mute, mute, the, mute the live stream. Isaiah, can you mute the live stream just for the women? <laughs> yeah, this is a post-Valentine's <laughs> thing. Okay, men, are you still here? Okay, just the men. You're going to need some off-the-books side money. Right, if you want to do surprises. Yes, because the surprise is the most valuable thing in the marriage, okay? The, the surprise is the whole thing. <laughs> because let me. I have to go back. I got a whole thing. I'm going to cut that clip whole just thing. right there and I'm going to post. No, that. don't do that. <laughs> There's context here, Jonathan. You can't do that to me. All right. So don't take what I just said yeah. and, and get upset. Just listen, hear me out. All right. Uh, women marry boys, men, with the, the wrong thought, but the thought universally that they're going to fix them. Okay. So, so they, they, they buy them in the hopes that they're going to improve. They buy into this. So right. let's clarify. The women marry the guy in hopes that the woman will be able to fix the guy. Of course. They're yeah. taking on a project. Right. Okay. Now, uh, men, we could just acknowledge, <laughs> men marry women hoping they will never change. Yeah. All right. So it's the exact opposite, thinking that they're wonderful and perfect the way that they are and hoping that that will never change. And I got a, I got a bad news for both of you. You're both We're wrong. We're both wrong. Okay. Yeah. Um, and and the truth is marriage changes us right away in very profound ways mm -hmm. and in ways we cannot possibly predict. Yeah. So it's much more important that we be committed 
and love through commitment than love through uh, idealization of the the current status or of the prospect of changing and fixing. Right. Okay. Right. So that out of the way, there's many books on this that I didn't yeah. write. Okay. So don't <laughs> don't at yeah, at you. <laughs> don't don't get on my case. All right. But but women think that in the dating process they have merely observed the tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. of this young man's potential full right capacity wonderfulness and yeah. character and that she's going to spend the rest of her life Revealing discovering it. the 90% <laughs> that's still yet be- below the surface sure and that he he has merely revealed just the 10% tip of the iceberg of all of that wonderfulness <laughs> Through the dating process, and that the the marriage is going to be incredible of just discovery. Well, the problem is, we're more like an ice cube than an iceberg. All right, and that's pretty much all there is. In fact, it might even be more than there is because we are putting our best foot forward right. in the dating process. And although I should say we shouldn't let down, right? right. Once we're we're but. married, there's a comfort level that yes. sets in. Okay, so we have to be careful about that. So the point I'm trying to make is you can't you can't disappoint your wife by not trying. Okay. You, sure. you have to you have to keep the the spark alive. Yeah. And that means certain responsibilities along the way, like Valentine's Day, which you personally are not going to care that much about, but that your wife will. And so you need to go all out. There's okay. some but some tell me the tell, prerequisites. Tell our followers the story of when you did the bathroom. Oh, because that's well, a good how one. do you think I did the best? Exactly. So off that, the this books is money. Exactly. Right, you need off the books money. So I like to surprise my wife. And and okay, let let me let me clarify one more thing. A surprise is at its basis a lie. Yes. Okay. Right. I mean, let's let's be honest. It's a good lie. It's a mm. mo- well motivated lie. But, but there's some deception involved right. in order to pull off a surprise, right? right? I mean, when you pop the question, did you tell her you were going to pop the question? No, you you did everything you did to try and throw her off the trail, right? So I I did that too, by the way. I, I my wife thought that I had I kind of planted seeds for a year ahead of time before proposing, and she was mad at me for because she thought it. I wasn't saving money. Oh, <laughs> and I was you know dropping how poor I was, and I you know spending every dollar I made, and I was really saving up and I had a pretty good nest egg and I got her a decent engagement ring because I had always said I would not, I was too proud. I would not get engaged if I couldn't afford and didn't have an engagement ring. And she's sitting here going, you know, the clock is ticking here, buddy. Let's go. And uh, so she's getting, she told me later, I was getting pretty frustrated with you. And uh, that's, I had her right where I wanted her. Okay. So by the time I got engaged, she was shocked that I had a ring and that I had actually saved the money. Cause she said, don't you dare put that engagement ring on a credit card. Your yeah, your yeah. prospective wife will not be impressed. <laughs> if, if you yeah, you turn the corner you bring all of a sudden debt into the marriage yeah. from buying an engagement ring. Not good, not a good idea. All right, so go back. Um so for the anniversary we had this last year, which I don't remember the number, it's got to be at least 10 years. Um <laughs> 20, 20 20 plus years. That's safe. Yeah. Safe. Actually, in Tim, the ballpark, Tim just turned 21, so it has to be at least 23 years. All right, <laughs> I think 24 is what we're coming up on. All right, so it wasn't one of the big anniversaries, yeah, it was an like the 10 or the five. So that's another key, right? Yes, like they're expecting something at yeah. 50. All right, so yeah, you well, gotta you, better. you gotta sneak it in at a random time. 
So we were on a trip and I had lined up. She thought the trip was the gift. It was a nice trip. It was a good trip. It was a week long, you know, whatever. But during that whole time, I had lined up a work crew. My parents helped out. My kids helped out. I had bought all the furnishings and uh, towel bars. Finishing. And finishings, thank you. Uh, hooks and yep. lights and fixtures and fans and everything you got to get. Blinds, paint. And paint you brushes. It. Okay, you I had it? been doing this for six months. Whoa. Okay, because there were supply chain issues, and I was not going to let that stop the plan. So I had a spreadsheet. I had a plan. I had documents. We had team meetings for weeks in advance, and uh, I had the whole thing planned out. And so while we were away on a trip relaxing, they were remodeling our master bathroom. Whoa. And That's a so surprise. Not quite down to the studs, but flooring, furnishings, everything new. And you got the master tile guy. Oh, yeah. Steve Morkin. He's He's the guy. Little plug here. Plug right? Steve Morkin. Yeah, that's right. I actually don't know if that's true. <laughs> we should start in one. <laughs> we better register that domain. Now, I made one fatal flaw. I okay. forgot to turn off our security cameras <laughs> because I didn't think she ever checked them. <laughs> and oh. At one point, she logged in and I went, oh, no. And she said, why is Steve Morkin at our house? <laughs> And then you had and to I'm lie. I'm in a panic mode. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't. No? No, I'm in panic mode trying to think of a good lie. Yeah. And that's when, you know, my brain failed me. Normally very reliable in this area, but my brain failed me at <laughs> that moment. And uh, she provided the greatest excuse. She said, oh, is he there to fix the kitchen faucet, which had been leaking? And I said, <laughs> I was going to surprise you. <laughs> that is okay. so cliche. I did not lie. I said, ah, I was going to surprise you. Oh. Uh. Uh, is that a beautiful response? It is. I feel like it was a beautiful it response. It is. And she said, oh, that was so nice, you know, and I'm like, Phew. okay. So then I'm like texting my son, Mike. I said, Mike, unplug the security <laughs> cameras now. Don't turn off, unplug. No matter what I say in the group chat. <laughs> yes. Okay. Do not plug it back in and come up with some reasons why it's not working. So Supply in the group me. chat, he was saying, dad, the internet just went out. What do I do? And I'm telling him, give him all these tech support you know, <laughs> things. And my wife's in that chat, so she's seeing all this. And we we never could get the cameras to come back oh, up man. the whole rest of the trip. What a weird thing. What a weird thing. So we got home really late, and uh, we I surprised her with the bathroom thing. And I would have never been able to pull that off. She would not have been impressed if I put that on credit cards. No. I had to save the money ahead of time and make all those purchases. And I needed money that she wouldn't notice was missing. <laughs> Out of our, our paychecks and things. So like travel mileage reimbursements, you know, usually yes. come in a separate yeah. check or whatever. So you put that, you get cash, you put it in a little envelope, you forget about it. You get another $100, you know, at Christmas, your grandma or somebody gives you a hundred right. bucks, you put an envelope put and forget away. about it, right? So that's the kind of thing you got to have as a man. All right. Isaiah, you can put the women back into the, the live stream now. Well, this is a good transition from that. six to, to seven, actually. Oh, okay. So six is diversifying gets you rich, yeah, right? So no. we worked through that one. And number seven is money doesn't make you happy. Yeah. So do you think your wife was happy that you remodeled your, your bathroom? Well, I'll tell you the reason she's happy now, which she didn't really care about in June, is that I put heated floors <laughs> underneath the tile. <laughs> she didn't notice that uh, yes. in June. Yeah. So it was it's kind a game of an changer. unfolding surprise, there like you when you walk in there and it's warm and you're going, what It's a game this? changer. <laughs> when we moved to our house, uh, our current house, uh, we, we were like, oh, cool, it has heated floors. Didn't even understand how life-changing life right? that yeah, was. You know cool. where it's life-changing too? Not just the bathroom. 
is the garage. I have to think about that. Can I get the the whole driveway? Because you know we had to you get up can. early today. All right, that seems like that would cost a lot of money to heat the it would be. driveway. That'll be like a phase four. Okay. All right. So doesn't no money doesn't Does make, you make you happy at all um, or make you happy. The old like cartoon was Scrooge McDuck, you know, swimming around in his money. Yeah, but money gives you the ability to to help people. I mean, there's been a couple examples recently of right. private wealth being used to help people. President Trump went and bought a bunch of water for the people in that Ohio town that was hit by the the train derailment. And, you know, nobody from the government was doing any of that. FEMA had denied their claims and stuff, said, well, it wasn't a natural disaster, so we don't cover that. (laughs) I'm like, what does it matter if it was a natural disaster or not if my home just blew up in a train derailment? I like his, the way that he, he, he uh, explains what he means by this. Um, Money solves problems. Uh, It'll give you independence, peace of mind, financial yeah. and location freedom. And I think that that's, that's a, that's, he's right. Um, it's not the end goal. Money is not the end goal, but some of the things that come with having some money certainly can provide. Yeah. But the key thing is happiness, not joy. Hmm. And if we want to, if we want to. Yeah, you can make a distinction. We can make you. a distinction here. It can bring you some happiness. Well, independence is a big deal. It is. Uh, a lot of people's stress in life comes from not having the ability to walk away from sure. an ethical dilemma at work, from a, a, a vicious or, or toxic work relationship that you can't get away from because you have to have that job. Or from a bad investment. Okay. I yeah. mean, yeah, the stress of not being able to pay off those credit cards. I mean, independence, mm-hmm. financial independence. But- the Christian believer, you got to hold your wealth in your hand. I mean, look at Job. The, the Bible tells us oh, all man, throughout. Yeah. Proverbs is replete with examples that in ways you can't possibly defend against or predict, that wealth can be gone. So it doesn't ultimately is not your source of independence. It's not your mm-hmm. source of peace of Absolutely. mind. Now, it it can do a lot of good. And there aren't a whole lot of problems in the physical aspects of life that can't be solved with some money. <laughs> right. So it, it is the way the world works, but Christian, be careful not to put your confidence in, in worldly money. Uh, right. That is not where uh, your happiness or your joy, if you want to put it that way, absolutely, uh, really comes from. So I, I the, agree it, with that. It comes with the verse where you put your heart, uh, where you, where your heart is, uh, you know, that's where your values are going to be. Well, it, is that what the verse says? It says where your money is, there will your heart be also. Right. Where your treasure is, and more specifically. And I think that the verse is really not just talking about money investments, right. but treasure. And and there are some things that we reveal by where we put our treasure, about where our, our wealth is. Uh, we usually, I mean, all societies, all cultures, all times, they invest in their nuclear family, the success of their children. I've mm-hmm. seen people sacrifice their own happiness for the sake of their children's happiness or success. And uh, that's a very normal instinct. But for the believer, it's even more than that, uh, in that you have you have eternal goals. You can take something temporal, mm-hmm. uh, make friends of, un, the, of, of worldly manna, unrighteous mammon, the... Uh, uh, New Testament calls it. And that's a very puzzling verse. Make friends to yourselves of unrighteous mammon. That's a real King James phrase mm-hmm. there. You say, what in the world is that talking about? What it's saying is use this temporal asset 
yeah. to do something of eternal value. Okay. That's exercising good stewardship. That's what the believers will be judged for is their stewardship in right. the sense that they will be rewarded for good stewardship. And so, yes, you need money. Uh, it is a, it is necessary, but it is certainly not the path to happiness. All right, so good pivot here. Number eight, lie number eight. You need money to make money. And what a plot. Hmm. It's regularly in entertainment where someone will get denied from the bank and they'll say, ah, you have to have money to make money. Not having money is a barrier to making money. Right. (laughs) It is. There are so many things in this world that hold people in poverty. Right. One of them, ironically, is the social safety net. Mm -hmm. It Mm -hmm. holds people into poverty. I have talked to so many people who are in financial distress, mm-hmm. who are offered jobs, opportunities to work, who oh, yeah. turn them down yeah. and say, no, I can't afford to take that job. And you right. say, what do you mean? And they say, well, and they start to give you all the complications of life. I've got, I'm a single parent and I've got kids. I have to pay for childcare if I get work. I can't afford it. I'm working four days a week just to pay for daycare. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. Then they tell you, well, I'm on food stamps and I'm on assistance and unemployment. And if I get a job, I'm going to lose my benefits. Mm -hmm. I'm going to lose my insurance or I'm going to lose my... And and so the social safety net, the thing that was meant to try and help tide people over between gigs, right? Unemployment is supposed to be temporary, tend to hold people down. Yeah. Uh, even things like our cash bail system, which people are trying to reform now in horrible ways, it does need to be reformed yeah. because, you know, th- there's a $300 fine for vagrancy in the inner city of Milwaukee. Maybe somebody could think about that. A $300 cash fine for vagrancy, which is defined as not having any money and loitering about without anywhere to live. It's compounding. So how am I supposed to pay that? And there are people, there are systems that would say, well, you have to stay in jail until you can afford to pay your fine for vagrancy. (laughs) So yeah, there are some barriers. Uh, Poverty is a barrier to wealth (laughs) in and of itself in a systemic way. But your your wealth, we've already talked about, is more than just your money. mm -hmm. And I think that's where you can say, what can I leverage in order to get out of this hole that I'm in? And, and I don't think that you have to have money to make money. Now, having money does help you make money. <laughs> so that's a little bit of a two-sided coin. Well, I think there's on the rise, the ability, at least in America, for entrepreneurship yeah. to make people who didn't start from any kind of money all of a yeah. sudden have a very comfortable living because they have a skill. Right. But the, I think the key there is you have to work. You've got to be That's diligent. <laughs> You've got to be willing to work. And, right. and sometimes work is learning. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And, and that preparation is still valuable for the future. But you know how you start a business? And this will drive me nuts. I got a friend that's starting a business. And I, I let, well, good for them. And I looked into it. And I looked at their philosophy. And I said, this business is going to fail. And you could say, why? Because there's lots of businesses like this that succeed. I say, Yeah but this one's going to fail. Well, how could you know that? Just playing the odds, you know, being a smart aleck? No, this one's going to fail because this person is starting a business because they're doing what they want to do. I've always wanted to have this. I've always wanted to do this. It's going to fail. You know why? 
because you're not the source of the money for the sales. If you were, then sure, you can succeed. Sure. <laughs> and that business would, what do you, ha- what is the one question you have to ask in order to start a successful business? What do the people with money want to use it on? Like, is there, am what I solving is the a problem? problem right. that I am solving right. for them so that they will give me their money? And that's why, and, and <laughs> not what, what I want to do. Good entrepreneurs and serial entrepreneurs yep. are finding and problems that have to be stuff. solved. Like, yeah. my uncle is an entrepreneur. You say, what? He's the wealthiest uncle I have. I got four uncles and my dad. My dad's the only one in the ministry. So he was, spoiler alert, not the wealthiest brother. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but but the wealthiest brother, you say, what does he do? What is his job? He doesn't have a job. He owns businesses. What kind of business? Well, he he got good at swimming pools, and he was working summers in college doing you know helping install swimming pools. And he so he bought out a business and leveraged it, leveraged buyout, bought the business, started opened a pool store. Then he realized you know the guys who bring us the pool salt have a trucks. And so he bought a trucking company and saved himself on shipping. And then he realized that this salt that we use in the swimming pool is a lot like the road salt. We don't have a lot of swimming pools in the winter, but we got road salt needs. And so he's using his trucks and his salt connections to start another business. And then he was at the country club with his buddies around, uh, you know, the table. And, uh, they, they said, Hey, uh, you know, I bet you couldn't start a limousine business. And he said, I bet I can. <laughs> and so he, he bought a limousine and started a limousine business. So what is the limousine business, a salt uh, business, a trucking business and a pool company have to do with each other? Nothing. It was stuff people needed. Yeah. And a guy right. who was business minded that could make it work. And let's be honest, the vision to see what people need, that's a, that's a gift. It is a gift of God at times to be able to see the needs of others and learn how to solve them. And starting a business to solve them is a good thing instead of just yeah. giving stuff away. There you go. Now we skipped one. Yeah, we skipped one. We got to come back to number four, okay? Because we're kind of passionate about this one well, a little bit. Number four lie is that you need a college degree to make money. Yeah. He says there are people with $100,000 degrees so they paid $100,000 for a college degree, which is not uncommon now, right. four years, maybe a grad degree too, driving Uber and delivering food. Okay. Well, I think that's pejorative. Maybe they made that decision. They like yeah, driving I mean, Uber. I actually know there's a guy on YouTube that is a lawyer that drives, I think he's Lyft, but not Uber. Sure. But same deal. And he does he does videos. And he realized my passion isn't the law. I actually like explaining people the law and driving an Uber <laughs> or a Lyft. There you go. <laughs> so, and it, it, the, the, his breakout video was he had a guy in the back that got uh, arrested out of his car. And so, <laughs> and the, the police didn't believe him that he was a lawyer until he showed him their bar card. And then they were like, you're a lawyer driving Lyft, you know? And he said, yeah, I, that's what I do. So uh, I, I think that's maybe a little bit pejorative. But then he says there are college dropouts building multi-million dollar businesses. Right. A degree is an old symbol of status. Skills and problem solving are the ticket now. Okay. Well, this is a little bit of what we call the myth of the wealthy welder. Okay. So I was talking to Dr. Alsop about this earlier in the week. Um, It is true. This is true. But they are not the norm. They are the exception, not the rule. When you see people who say, well, they were the college dropout, like the Bill Gateses or the Elon Musk or whatever it is that you say, wow, they're a billionaire now. 
Right. Well, number one, you're not going to be a billionaire. Bad news. Spoiler alert. You're not going to be a billionaire. I say that statistically speaking. All the potential billionaires, you can go off the screen now. All right. But everybody else, we're not going to be multi-million dollar business owners uh, in that big picture sense, right? Um, without the traditional path. So the wealthy welder, the, the irony is now you actually need a, a college degree to be a welder. Yeah, right. And you actually need to study science and math and take about 12 specific college classes to be a welder, a licensed welder in most states. And so the apprenticeship path is a much longer path to the welding credential. And the quickest and best way to get there is to go to college. And so at Maranatha, certainly I wouldn't say college is for everyone. It's not for you if you're going to come and have a bad attitude about it, for example, or if you're not into uh, what we're about. But if you are and you feel like God's called you into something, then you ought to prepare for it. And if you're going to prepare for it, you ought to go someplace where the people who know the path that you're going down and can guide you and mentor you along the way. And so I think that it is, it is a bit of a myth, and it's trying to use the exception to prove the rule. Right. And all the studies would indicate that although there might be a faster start out of high school because they're getting yes. a job making $14 an hour, the average welder doesn't make $150,000 a year. The average welder, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, makes $41,000 a year. Right. And that's just $16,000 above the poverty line for a family of four. Well, and I think the, the big thing too is we talk all the time to students who come in who have a trade in mind yeah. that eventually they want to get to, but their uh, their business degree will help them be a better asset to that company. Or their Bible foundation. I mean, the Bible Institute here at Maranatha was Absolutely. designed for people that have that track mm -hmm. in mind and say, listen, there's something developmental as well about the college years. There's something formative about that process in those college years. And so I think, you know, this is a this has been a, an interesting Twitter feed. I haven't agreed with everything the guy has to say, but Start a good I think it's been a good launching point to talk about some things, maybe understanding everything you read, don't take it at face value. Think about it critically. Do this process of back yeah. and forth. Apply some biblical principles that you've learned along the way and uh, take from it what you what, what is valuable. Right. Find someone who you can talk to about it yeah. and who's not going to judge you for asking questions. Yeah. Because asking questions is the fastest way of actually getting uh, getting some decisions made in a, in a legitimate way. Absolutely. Yeah, a good time. Uh, great thread. You guys ought to, uh, on this, on this uh, video, give us some threads that we could do this for. If you have good conversations that we could come back for other side missions, mm -hmm. we would love to sit around and Send have a great article. time. Yeah. We'll have them on too it. and make oh, a yeah. guest. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> this is a side mission. All right. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us today. On Mission is a production of Maranatha Baptist University. Subscribe to On Mission on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to leave a review as this will help other growing leaders find these conversations. For information about our guests, previous episodes, and general information about On Mission or MBU, go to mbu.edu slash podcast. Join us again next week as we examine what keeps leaders on mission.